0: All right, now I have to tell you, we got home Wednesday morning, had 44 people in Egypt. We were able to uh, bring a lot of aid, a lot of resources, uh, help a lot of churches. There are 541 churches that you support up and down the Nile Valley, just to give you perspective how big this mission is. And uh, we got back at 3 in the morning, and uh, I I got up early because I wanted to get the mail. Anybody like that? Nuts? So anyway i walk out my front door going to get my mail and i get hit by a bicycle the first day not a big deal right the second day i walk out to get the mail after i've been back i get hit by the same bicycle yesterday i walk out i get hit by the same bicycle peggy are you ready just a vicious cycle I had the hook set down here on Peggy. I just had to bring it in. (laughs) If you think they're getting better just because I traveled further, you're incorrect. So staying focused on Jesus is the key to the process. And we're going to look at Isaiah 42 and... Isaiah's giving given us a look at Jesus 740 years in the future, but he's also speaking directly to us. So if you'll stand out of respect for God's word, I'm going to just read it out of my Bible. It'll be on the screen. Use your iPhone, whatever you got. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. He's talking about Jesus now. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. He'll be just a calm guy, not causing disturbances. Now here's us. A bruised reed will not break. Anybody here feel bruised emotionally, spiritually, physically, marriage, life? A bruised reed will not break and a smoldering wick will not stuff out. You feel like your fire's going out? Maybe the flame's already left? God said, but I won't let it be snuffed out. I'll be there to reignite you. In faithfulness, he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. In his law, the islands will put their hope. This is what God, the Lord says, he who created the heavens and stretched them out. I got, I got to stop here. All right. So those of you that are, that are wondering, you know, well, how could the earth uh, only be 6,000 years old? It's actually billions of years old because look at the distance of the planets. Okay. If there's a God, we believe there is. When he created the heavens and the earth, it's like Plato in our hands. He created everything and he stretched it out. You're like, well, no, that seems like really something else, Joe. Yeah, how about this? Try to create something out of nothing. Now tell me which takes more faith, to believe there's an almighty God who could stretch out the heavens or to believe that nothing created everything? But Isaiah said that he stretched out the heavens, who spread out the earth and all that comes of it, who gives breath to his people and life to those who walk in it. I, the Lord, have called you righteous. I will take hold of your hand, and I will keep you and make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles. To open the eyes that are blind, to free the captives from prison, and to release from the dungeons those who sit in spiritual darkness. I am the Lord. That's my name. I will not give my glory to another or my praise to idols. See the former things that have taken place, and new things I declare. Before they spring into being, I announce them to you. You can be seated. So we're going to start off. He talks about God's spirit empowering. Now People get nervous when we talk about the spirit. God himself exists in three forms. This is found in Genesis 1. It's found in the baptism of Jesus. It's found in several other places where all three parts of the Godhead are together. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit. Now, people freak out about this and say, well, you have three gods. No, that's incorrect. Uh, here's a simple way to understand it. As I stand here on stage, I am a father, a son, and a husband, and I did it all flawlessly while you looked at me. We are, thank you, we are body, soul, and spirit all at the same time. So why is it so hard to understand that God exists in three forms? God himself is a spirit. He made that clear. When he wanted to interact with us, he sent Jesus in physical form. And when Jesus left the earth, he said, I'm going to send my spirit, the Hebrew word is ruach, I'm going to send my spirit back to be with my people to get them to the finish line. So God exists in these three forms and he says the spirit is here to empower you. Now, this gets used in so many wrong ways in our culture today and in our churches today. The Spirit of God truly has two main purposes. Number one, to comfort you and me when we're hurting, to carry our burdens, to come along. The, the word comforter means to come along beside of. The second is to convict us, to convict us of sin. So that we accept Jesus, to convict us of sin, so we repent of bad behavior, to convict us to serve, to convict us to give, to convict us to do the right things. Now listen to me. Here's how you sort this out. If you're feeling guilty about something, that's not from God. Satan does guilt. Because guilt always brings shame. God doesn't do shame. If you feel guilty about something, that's from Satan if you feel convicted, you know what, I really need to do this. I've got to start changing this. I've got to stop this behavior. This is wrong conviction is the Holy Spirit speaking in your life, you should thank God for that and you should pay great attention. But you need to understand that in our culture, the Holy Spirit has been so compromised where where people use it for religious props and they use it to show you how much better they are than you are. And the scripture could be nothing further from the truth. Listen to me, the Spirit will never, ever, ever, or ever tell you to do something that the Word of God tells you the opposite. Well, you know, I just prayed and prayed and prayed about this and I just feel like I'm supposed to divorce my wife. Well, let's read 1 Corinthians 6 because God's not going to tell you to do the opposite of what His Word because Jesus is the Word and then there's the Holy Spirit. So you're telling me that Jesus and the Holy Spirit don't agree. Or you're telling me, hey, there's rules for 7 billion people on the planet, but God wrote a separate deal for you. He did not. You always check Scripture. Well, I've been praying and the Holy Spirit wants me to get a new jet. That may be some spirit, but it's not the Holy Spirit. See, people blame God for a lot of things. You may be talking to some spirit, but it's not God's spirit. Because God's spirit has two two objectives. Number one, to comfort you. Number two, to convict you. To get you saved, and then once you're saved, the goal is for you to get as many other people saved as possible. That's what the Holy Spirit is concerned about, getting us and everyone else that we can possibly bring with us to the finish line. People say, well, I just felt led to eat turkey today by the Spirit. That was not the Holy Spirit. I don't think God cares whether you eat turkey or not. God does not care whether you do this. I mean, the things that that we, the the trivial things, the religious things, and here here's the word that it really comes down to. It's a word called Gnosticism. All right, if you don't know that word, look it up. It was rife throughout the first century. First John is full of Gnosticism. John's dealing with it. What it means is that there are people who say they have a special knowledge that you and I could never obtain to. You see, I'd like to explain this vision I had to you, but you're just a commoner. The Spirit and I have something that you don't have. Well, you may have, but it ain't from God. That's Gnosticism. Because we all got the same deal when we got the Word of God. So you don't have any special revelation. I don't care who you think you are. Or who somebody else tells you they think they are. You do not have special revelation. God's spirit works through his word. What's he interested in? Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Jesus said to the disciples. When I leave I will send you the Holy Spirit. And you will be my witnesses. The word there is martyr. You will give your lives for one purpose. To get the message of Jesus to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world. It comes again to Timothy. Paul writes to Timothy while he's pastoring in Ephesus. 2 Timothy 1.7, he says, you have not been given a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power and love and self-discipline. Now, why do I need power and love and self-discipline if I'm just going to be serving me? No, I need power, love, and self-discipline because my job is to change the world. Your job is to change the world. Our job is to change eternity for everyone who we come in contact with and everybody in our generation that we're a part of. Let me help you with this. Here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, hey, guys, if you want to be my disciple, take up your cross and follow me. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Well, I just feel like God wants me to have this 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 jet. I'm just using that because you were all guilty but I'm just trying to put it far enough out that maybe you don't think I'm singling you out. I just I just really feel like God wants me to have this this new jet. Deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. That doesn't get preached a whole lot, does it? God wants you healthy, wealthy, wise. Deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. We got that part? We got it, I can move on. Well, we can wait. Good? All right, let's move on. All right, so after after we get to the power of the Spirit, it talks about God turning on the light. In verse 6, it says that when Jesus comes, 700 years later, Jesus is going to make a covenant with the Jewish people, and then out of that covenant... They are going to be the light of the world. John talked about that in chapter 8, verse 12. Jesus said, I am, come on, I am the light of the world. Now that's a great verse by itself, but let me tell you the story. That happened during the festival of Hanukkah. You you drive by around here, you know during Hanukkah that they've got the the Jewish synagogues have the candelabras out and they light a different, a new light every night. All right. It's symbolizing how God kept the candles burning when there was no oil left. That's during the the, uh, first century B.C. And the story is amazing. But Jesus is standing on the Temple Mount and on the Temple Mount there is a giant menorah that they light every night. And Jesus stands in front of that menorah and says, I am the light of the world. I'm the one that kept the candles burning. I'm the one that has provided for your soul. That is the message that Jesus is bringing to us. Isaiah 9 carries this same story. It says that the Messiah will be born in Galilee and he will be a light to the Gentiles. So this covenant that was made with the Jewish people and then extended to all of the rest of us as Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior of the world is born out of a Jewish family but he came to bring light to everyone. There's no limits on that, my friends. The grace of God is big enough for all of us regardless of our sin, regardless of our past the blood of Jesus paid the price for you. Now, you remember our old buddy at Motel 6. Leave the light on for you. Here's the truth. Most churches don't even have the light on in their church anymore, let alone outside. Guys, when you come in here, I need you to put your candles together and get them red hot. And then go. And go talk to your neighbors and your co-workers and your classmates. And you know what? You may invite ten and get one to come. That's one. That's one. That's one. And if every one of us committed to get one person to Christ this year, do you realize what happens? The church is 8,000 next year. That's just if you get one. If you bring a family. Do you see how the kingdom's meant to work? But if all the light stays inside the building, I'll tell you what happens. Eventually, there's no light even in the building. Because the candles will burn out. Because they're not being used. You take the candle out, you take the light out, and you use it in the world. Reinhard Bonnke, is a great evangelist of our time. He, he talks about this. He said, uh, he said 1 Peter 5.8, it says, Satan moves around like a roaring lion looking for who, who he's going to destroy. He said, we read that verse where everybody kind of gets afraid of Satan. And he said, yeah, Satan's a real force and he, and he is out to get us. He said, but you forget how big your God is. And he said, when the light is turned on, you find out that that roaring lion is just a mouse with a microphone. One of the best quotes I've ever heard. Does he have power? Yes. Comparing to my God? No. And in Romans, it says, the God of peace will crush Satan underneath our feet. Anybody got some things they want to give back to Satan? I'm wearing steel spikes that day. We're going to square square some things up. Let's have our creation moment here. This is a beetle, just a common tiny little beetle. This is the bottom of every beetle's feet. Now, let me ask you a question. Does that look like something that happened by chance? Or does that look like a beautiful designer to you? It's just a beetle's foot, for goodness sake. That's the greatness of the God we serve. And he said, nature itself will speak of my stories. Well, here we go. But that light is so important. And this is where... This is where prayer comes into play. And I, we'll, we'll, we'll do this quickly. But George Miller, um, from the 18th century, ran orphanages. And George Miller is just known as a great man of prayer. And Miller said, listen, you need to be praying all the time. And he said, I'm not against prayer times where we spend time together or individually in blocks of time. But he said, if you're living the Christian life right, you're going to be praying all the time. Because as you're going, things are happening. Somebody's there. They need to be prayed for. Stop and pray for them. Pray for them as you're driving by. But I'm telling you the most powerful thing you can do when somebody says, Will you pray for me? You pray for them. It'll shock them to death. Because I'll just put my hand on you and start praying for you. And what they wanted is something religious. You give them the power of God. And Miller said, as a result of praying all the time, I see the miracle works of God all the time because he's constantly constantly bringing the light of God in now let me let me help you let's go back to the spirit so we pray and certainly prayers two-sided so God I'm here to praise you to love you I'm here to confess my sin I'm here to ask you for this I'm here to thank you for providing this I'm asking you to bless my marriage that okay but then there's the listening part but don't Turn that into something mystical because that's what modern Christianity's tried to do. Well, God said this to me. Really? Just you. Just you. No, God speaks through His Word. That's why you've got to know the Word of God. You pray, and then you go back to the Word. Okay, what does the Bible say about my language? What does the Bible say about my marriage? What does the Bible say about how I conduct myself as a single person? What does the Bible say? Because it's not what you think you heard God say, because you heard from some spirit, but it wasn't the Holy Spirit. So you pray, and when you listen, you listen back through the word of God. All right, we move on to the last part. In the last part, it says that we can trust God in our present situation and in our future because of what he's done in the past. He says, if you're not careful, you'll read past that, but look at verse 9. He says, see, the former things have taken place. It's almost like he's saying... Okay, that's done. Now we're moving on. That's not what it says. Pay attention. See how faithful I was in the past. Remember how you shouldn't be here right now. Remember what you used to be doing and the things you were involved in and you're still here. Remember how I saved you. Remember how how I provided for you when there was no other way out and God found a way. Those are personal. What about the big picture? how God provided for the Israelites when they left Egypt, how God provided for Daniel in the lion's den, when when God brought Jesus back from the grave. He's saying, my past work is there to let you know you can trust me with your present mess and your future destiny. That's the whole point of this. He said, and I will let you know. I'm going to show you new things, but he said... Just trust me when you're in the valley that based on my past work, you can trust me on your present and your future. Last week, I was, about this time, I was standing literally at the the foot of a little alleyway that runs up where Pharaoh would have sat. And where Moses stood and looked his stepbrother in the eye and said, let my people go stood right there. Now, you can be there and be awed at the place, or you could go, well, it was 110, and it's just rocks, and it is. But the message is, what God did for Moses, he's still doing for me. What God did for Jesus, he's still doing for you and me. That's the message of what Isaiah is saying. It is that idea, if if I can do it for them, I can do it for you. I don't know where you're at. I don't know who needs to hear that. Maybe you were at the end thinking, I'm going to give up. This is my last day. This is my last day in life. This is my last day of dealing with this marriage. Last day of dealing with my kids. Uh, I don't know know where your battle is, but God said, if you'll look at the past, you'll notice I've always been faithful. Deuteronomy 7, 9 says, our God is a faithful God. God has always been faithful. Guess Guess who struggles? It's you and me that struggle in the faith department. Pat Riley was the coach for the Lakers for a long time. And now he's front office, I think, in Miami. But uh, they asked him one time, he said, if if you had one guy to take the last shot, who would it be? He said, if the game was on the line, Michael Jordan. He said, if my life was on the line, Larry Bird. Let me ask you this question. Who's going to take the last shot for you? As you prepare to step into the presence of God, you're going to take it? You're going to let Jesus take it. You're going to let Charles Darwin take it? You're going to take it. You're going to let Darwin take it? You're going to let Jesus take it. Somebody's going to make that decision and you're the deciding factor. You're the coach. You get to decide who takes the last shot for you. That's why Jesus died on the cross. He said, I've got it. I'll take it. Listen, if you're watching online, there's a button, I've decided. You push that button, our folks will interact with you, uh, help you with the next step to following Jesus, becoming a Christian. Uh, Palm Bay and Deland, David and Ben are there. Here, you come up front, um, our folks will be here to help you to answer any questions uh, that you might have. But I want to finish with one last story. This is a ship called the Carmania. The Carmania is a German ship. But they disguised themselves during World War II as a British ship. They painted it with with British colors. They put the Union Jack up on the flag. They put the Carmania's numbers on it. And they thought, we'll get out in the middle of the caravan and we'll be able to destroy the British fleet. One problem. The first ship the Carmania ran into was the Carmania. The British ship... Did not hesitate, they blew it out of the water. Now, let me tell you, you can put makeup on, we can put spiritual blinders, spiritual junk over us, but one day you're going to stand before God and God sees through all that. I don't care how you try to disguise your life. You can bluff me, you can bluff your spouse, you can bluff each other. But at some point, you and I will stand face to face with the creator of the universe with nowhere to hide. I ask you one more time, who's going to take that last shot for you? Father, I thank you, Jesus, that you're there for us. And I pray that your spirit would work. I, I have no authority and I have no power. But your spirit and your word, they change eternal destinies. They change marriages. They change families. They change addictions. They break change. They bring light into the dungeons. So Holy Spirit, would you work now with those who are watching online, those who will watch this later on tape, those who are here live. In Jesus' name, amen.